Together we pray, as we always do, asking the inspiration and the grace of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, continue to confess that we do not know how to pray as we should. So we give thanks that you intercede within us with those inexpressible groanings according to the will of God. May our minds, our hearts, and our souls be that fertile soil that you speak of in the gospel. That your word may bear deep, rich, and abundant fruit in our lives. Illuminate these scriptures for us, Jesus. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. This is a hard saying, who can accept it? We've been walking our way through the church the last five weeks on Jesus' Eucharistic discourse. And for us as Catholics, some over 2,000 years later, we've, we've heard it over and over and over. So we believe the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Now, while, while we've heard that a ton, there's a, a smaller percentage of Catholics actually believe that. And some Catholics kind of get freaked out when you're like, no, no, we're, we're really serious about it. Like, it's not a symbol. There's a miracle that takes place at Mass, that bread and wine become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Still looks like bread, still tastes like bread, but it is truly Christ. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, we're like, Father, that's crazy, right? It's crazy. Why would we say that? Who would believe such a thing? And, and if you doubt that reality now or if you've ever doubted it before, then okay, you're in good company. I mean, most people experience that. Here today, see the people that Jesus is preaching to, I mean, he's, he's telling them for the first time. We, this has been five weeks we've been walking through this thing and there's a mixed crowd. They're Jews, they're his disciples, people who already believe in him. And he's like, so Moses gave you the true bread, gave you the bread from heaven, but I will give you the true bread from heaven. I am the bread of life. And unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you do not have life within you. So the Jews are the first ones we, we noticed last week. They're like, time out, time out. That is not kosher. Literally, you know. How is that going to work? And so many of the Jews left. But his disciples are waiting around because they've heard him speak symbolically before. Like, oh, he's going to explain himself here. You know, like when Nicodemus asked him, Jesus said, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus is thinking, like, how does that work? He says, do I have to re-enter my mother's womb? Hopefully his mom wasn't around, right? You know, they're like a little awkward situation. Like, please no, you know. Like, Jesus is like, no, I'm speaking about being born again of water and the spirit. It's like, oh, okay, I get you. It's symbolically this being reborn again through baptism. 
So again, his disciples are like, okay, so he's, he's going to explain what he means. So the Jews, many of the Jews leave, and Jesus starts off again, and he says this. My flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. That's where we ended last week. My flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. And this is where we pick up today. Like one of the most obvious statements ever written, right? This saying is hard. <laughs> Who can accept it? And then it continues. It says, does it shock you? And Jesus is speaking about that. And it says, as a result of this, many of his disciples, again, people who already believed in him, who were already his followers, many of his disciples no longer followed him and returned to their former way of life. Because of this teaching about the Eucharist was too hard for them. From the very beginning, the Eucharist was something that was hard and was something that people says, okay, I'm out. Like, when you healed the little boy, rock on, that was awesome. You fed the 5,000, that was super cool, right? Eat your body, drink your blood, later, you know, I'm gone. So then at this point, as, as his disciples are leaving, he turns to the twelve. The guys who are in the inner circle, right, the, the future leaders of the church. And he says to them, do you too want to leave? Do you too want to leave? And I, I always think to myself, like, how long of a pause was there? Five seconds, ten minutes, you know, like awkward silence. I know if I was them, <laughs> what would I be thinking? Yeah, you, um, yeah, I was kind of thinking about it. I was contemplating it, actually. Like, you, you, I, I was halfway turning, you know, like, oh, no, I'm, I'm still here. We're good. Yeah, we're good. We're good. But then what does Peter say? Master, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. It's a profound statement. Notice what Peter doesn't say. I understand what you're saying about giving me your body and blood to eat and drink. He doesn't say that. He's like, oh, yeah, the rest of the guys... The, Guys and gals who don't understand that, they were like on the JV squad to begin with, just send them home. He doesn't say that. Implicit in his answer is, well, I thought about leaving pretty darn hard. And I realized I got nowhere else. Why? Because they have come to believe and are convinced that Jesus is the Son of God. And because they believe in him, because they have believed, Lord, you are the Messiah. You are the word incarnate. That you have spoken to the depths of my being in a way that I know that whatever comes out of your mouth is truth. Even if I don't understand it, even if it is hard for me to grasp, I have nowhere else to go. 
And so my ascent to, you know, Peter's ascent to this teaching of the Eucharist is about Jesus and his relationship with him. So he can believe what he says. There's a lot of hard teachings that Jesus says, right? How many times should we forgive, Lord? Seven times? No. Seventy times, seven times. What? That's a lot. <laughs> Love your enemies. What? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And forgive them. The guy that killed my sister? That, that didn't happen to me, but no, it's just like, that. like, seriously? You know, like, what? Is, it, is, this, is this what you're talking about? Like, are we serious? When he speaks about marriage and the fidelity in marriage, speaks about our, 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 how we live our lives, the preferential option for the poor and how that is when we meet him, Matthew 25, face to face, that's what he's going to ask us. Like, you, you feed me when I was hungry? You clothe me when I was naked? You visit me when I was ill and in prison? And we're called to live. Maybe some of you ladies were like second reading like, what is that? What is St. Paul saying? Kick him in his face, right? What is the hard teaching? And, and because that has come up, I mean, so there's a great misunderstanding there. That's another homily for us to give. But when St. Paul says, wives be subordinate to your husbands, another translation of that word is submission, right? And we're like, okay, well, Father, that's worse, right? But no, we understand what does that mean. Mission, we know what that means, like mission. This is my mission in life. Sub is under. So to submit to something means you place yourself underneath the mission of that person. And so then we read a little bit further down, what's the mission of the husband? Love your wives as Christ loved the church. He died for her. Die for your wife. Give your life for her. No pressure, guys. No pressure. So what is to be sub submissive to that means let him die for you. Let him love you this way. And then the mutual submission at the beginning. Then offer your life in return to him. That's what St. Paul is talking about. Cliff Notes version of it. This is, you know, what is the hard teaching for you right now? What is it that the church, the scripture teaches? First, we need to come back to our relationship with Jesus. Do we know him and trust him enough to stick around to have a conversation about the difficult things? Instead of just saying, well, I just segregate that from my life. I'll follow these things, but this thing, eh. We make ourselves God when we do that. But if we can trust in Jesus, like St. Peter, like, I don't understand exactly what you mean by that right now, Lord, but I'm willing to sit at your feet and to listen and to understand and to receive from you a deeper understanding of that reality. Then that's when beautiful transformation happens. 
So Jesus is asking us that question today about whatever it is, the difficult thing in our heart that we're struggling with. He says, so, so do you want to go too? Who do we say that he is? Can we say the same thing to St. Peter? Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. I've come to believe and I am convinced. Those are big words, right? And if you're not there yet, I just want to honor that and reverence that. Like, I don't even know if I believe this Jesus thing. Ask him for the grace for it. Ask him for the grace for it. Lord, give me more faith. Spend time in prayer. The Adoration Chapel over there, Jesus is going to rock your world if you show up there on a consistent basis. Like crazy rock your world. And then we can say with St. Paul, to whom shall we go? Excuse me, St. Peter. Get those saints right, right? To whom shall we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. I've come to believe and I am convinced that you are the Holy One of God. 